Welcome into the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek for Wednesday, December 18th. I'm Caroline Gonzalez, joined by John DeShazer. And it's just us two on the show today. We haven't gotten some insight from John DeShazer in a while, so it's time to do that. But my first question for you, JD, we're within a week away from Christmas. Have you done all your Christmas shopping? Um, Pretty much. All that's going to be done. <laughs> You're going to leave a few, few people out? I only got two people to worry about, so pretty easy for me what every year. Me? What about me? I know you have your wife and your son, but like I said, I only got two people to worry about. What? And that's it. That is well. I I was very meticulous in my gift buying for you, so I guess we'll just have to save that for next year when you rethink your gift for me. It's a thought that counts. That's but you didn't say. even think about it. You just said. Well, you I thought about it. I just said it. I ain't going no more. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fair enough. Uh, J.D., uh, before we get into too much about the Titans, um, it was reported before the Saints game against the Colts that they picked up a new quarterback, uh, Janor, how do you say it? Janoris Jenkins. Janoris Jenkins. Uh, I know Peyton didn't have much to say about him in the conference call. He was relatively short in whether or not he would uh, compete for a starting position, but what do you think he adds to the Saints team? Well, he's a starting caliber cornerback. Uh, seven career interceptions. Uh, a guy who's got a lot of pass breakups on his resume and um, has done, you know, some seasons had, you know, some phenomenal numbers actually. Uh, late of the Giants and, in fact, led the Giants in interceptions this season after 13 games. They had four interceptions, which immediately ties him for the lead, the team lead here with Marcus Williams. So he's a guy who's played corner, uh, played slot. Uh, so, you know, you can't really say he's coming in to take anybody's place mm-hmm. because, you know, there are availability, available slot spots in that secondary. Um, Von Bell was hurt, couldn't play in the last and the Monday night game. Uh, we know that there have been injuries back there uh, this season. Uh, P.J. Williams was suspended uh, for a game. And so, you know, you can never have too many quality cornerbacks in the NFL, especially going to the playoffs because it's – obviously a physical sport but you need people who can cover people and he's a person who can cover people and he was released from the Giants for some behavior issues which is not something we're accustomed to well that's what they say and you know I I just I don't know I don't know the underlying reason yet because I don't really you know hadn't spoken to any of the beat guys there so you don't really know if it was because of a tweet Mm -hmm. or if there was something else some personalities you know obviously there was something more than performance. Yeah. Uh, so whether or not that's going to be something that, you know, rears its head here, you don't know. You don't think it will be because it's a pretty strong locker room. Uh, there are veteran guys in there. They know uh, the expectations of each other. And it, the, whoever comes in who's new, they're going to show him what the expectations are because, frankly, if push comes to shove, yeah, they brought him in because of a need. But these are guys who have played together for a couple of years now, and they have an expectation. So, you know, nobody's going to come in and rock the boat on a team where Drew Brees is your quarterback or Teron Armstead is on the team or Cam Jordan's on the team or Demario Davis is on the team. So I think there's a strong enough personality in the locker room to where – and he is a guy who's got a strong personality. Um, But I think there's enough – of a personality and, and enough of a mindset in there to where I don't think that will be an issue in this locker room. And I don't want to make assumptions because obviously I don't know the guy. I couldn't even pronounce his first name even after you told me. But um, you have to think after leaving a Giants team uh, and then coming to the Saints team, who is obviously performing significantly better, hopefully you don't see that acting out as much more. Uh, he, I would imagine that Janoris Jenkins, like, you know, he, they nicknamed him the Jackrabbit, and I would imagine he hopped all the way to the, to the airport, <laughs> probably did some backflips onto the, the plane. The Gump run. <laughs> yeah, he did some backflips onto the plane. I mean, you know, he, he goes from basically 
I guess, a last place team to a first place team that's mm-hmm. getting ready to go play play in the playoffs and play meaningful football. Yeah. And if that doesn't excite you and if that doesn't get your adrenaline flowing, I don't know what will. Uh, he leaves a bad situation, comes to a good situation. Uh, a rookie quarterback who might turn out to be really, really good, Daniel Jones, to a Hall of Fame quarterback, Drew Brees, who dressed through for four touchdowns on Monday Night Football. So he's going into – he's coming into a really nice situation. Dennis Allen, the defensive coordinator here, is going to play the type of football that any cornerback desires because cornerbacks want to play man-to-man. That's what they're always talking about, you know, and that's the glamour, shut-down corner. That, that's the quote. Everybody wants to be a shut-down corner. Well, Dennis Allen's going to give you opportunities to play man-to-man, and you're going to be doing it for a team that's going into the playoffs, and you're going to be doing it for a team that's playing two really meaningful games because they want to secure the number one or number two seed in the NFC. So I would think Jenkins would be beside himself with glee to be in this situation. You know, now that I think about it, J.D., we had the podcast on Monday with Scott Vegeta, but we didn't talk after the game until this episode about the game and about, you know, the tribute to the Super Bowl winning team and about Drew Brees breaking records and Michael Thomas's performance. But I want to I want to touch a little bit on on the halftime um, tribute to the Super Bowl winning team. What did you think of that? Did you think it was what did you think about it? No, I mean, it was nice. I mean, it's tough to squeeze in a real good tribute to a Super Bowl team at halftime. I thought it was I thought it was nice. I thought it was obviously appropriate to do it again in in at home against the Colts. Yeah. So that pretty much was was it. And I think the real, real celebration was the Friday night when they had the gala yeah. and those guys had so much fun. I thought that was the real celebration. Or maybe it was Saturday night. I got my days mixed up because the Saints played on Monday night. Yeah, so I, I got it all that, twisted yeah, up. Me too. Got all twisted up. But I thought that was the real tribute where you get a chance, you know, you can slow down, take a deep breath. Uh, people can really give heartfelt speeches and can really catch up with each other and that kind of thing. The, the halftime ceremony, don't get me wrong, it was nice. It was really nice and it was great for the fans. But for the players, the the best probably was the Saturday night get-together where they got a chance to sit down and reminisce and catch up. And, you know, in some of those instances, if your teammates – they always say, hey, you, you might not see a guy for 10 years, but you pick back up right like nothing happened. Yep. You know, and all you do is start asking about kids, and, and it's like it never, you know, the time, you know, just stood still for them. So I think that was probably uh, as meaningful for them. They'll probably remember that part of the weekend as much as, if not more, than the halftime ceremony. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think Sean Payton had the best quote when he said, you know, someday we'll go riding off in the sunset together, but today is not that day. That's no, I mean, because, I mean, you know, now Payton and Drew Brees and Thomas Morstead, who were also on that team, well, they got a game to play, play yeah. prepare for. So everybody else can come in get drunk and <laughs> hang out and have hangovers and go to, you know, and, and, you know, shake hands and kiss babies and that kind of stuff. But those guys had work to do. So, you know, for them, the fun level wasn't quite as much as it would have been for, I ain't going to throw out any names, but some of the <laughs> other guys who might have had a few too many uh, to, to drink. But, you know, for them, it still had to be business as usual. So, yeah, they were able to celebrate. But it, for them, they had to have a cutoff point, whereas everybody else could hang out as long as they wanted to. And we hear that some of them did hang out as long as yeah, they wanted to. I think it was pretty funny because you and I had to come in on Sunday morning uh, and interview some of those guys after the gala on that Saturday night. And I just remember thinking, driving in, like, man, 9 o'clock is kind of early. And then I was thinking that for me. And then I was like, wait, these guys had a gala last night and they're expected to be here at 9.30 well, it wasn't the gala. That, it wasn't the gala got, that got them. It was the after party, wherever well, the yeah, after yeah. party, wherever the various after parties were held. Yeah. 
All right, uh, J.D., the, the injury report comes out today, but the Saints lost Larry Warford uh, in the Saints game against the Colts. We don't want to speculate on, on any of that, but uh, what are the Saints going to be forced to do if he is going to be out for a game or two? Well, if he's out, then you have Patrick Almamay, who uh, went in at right guard uh, for the game against the Colts. You already have Nick Easton playing left guard. Now, we do expect uh, – I don't know exactly when Andrews Pete will be back, but it should be fairly soon. And then, obviously, the Saints re-signed Michael Ola, so he's back in the fold. Uh, so they've got some options there. And, and you know, it's it's kind of crazy. I don't – I can't think of a team that's done it better than the Saints along the offensive line with injuries the last three, four years yeah. where, you know, it's really, it's really not as easy as the Saints have made it look uh, when they've been shifting in bodies and, and just kind of plug and play. It's not that easy to do that on any level of football, especially in the NFL. But they've made it work. Uh, they've gotten it done in these last two games with Andrews Pete out and then with Larry Warford getting injured. Uh, they've played offensively arguably the best they played this season. They've scored 46 and 34 points in those two games, averaged 40 a game. So, you know, somehow they keep keep it going, you know, you know hats, props, whatever you want to give to Dan Rochard, the offensive line coach, because he gets those guys ready. And he knows how to cross-train guys to be, you know, guards and centers and, you know, guards and tackles. And he figures it out. And he's got guys who are obviously talented enough to do it. Now, do you want to have to continue to play that way? Right. No. There's a reason, you know, some guys are starters and there's a reason guys are, are their backups. But in a pinch, the Saints have shown that for two, three, maybe even four-game stretches, they, they've been able to do it. To your point, you know, they make it look easy on that offensive line. But another guy that was on the um, the scoreboard the other day that I kind of forgot about was Eric McCoy. And, you know, the storyline all training camp was how is he going to handle starting at that center position? And, of course, we talked about, you know, he has he has veteran presence around him. He has Teron Armstead. He has Andrus Pete. You know, he has Larry Warford. But he has done absolutely phenomenal, even with those guys not on the line. There was a game where we didn't have Andrus Pete or Teron Armstead, and he's pretty much held it down. Well, most of the time with offensive linemen, the only time you notice them is when the names call for holding. Right. <laughs> or hands to the face or something. And he's picked up a couple of penalties this year. But for the most part, it's been quiet for him. And that's the best compliment you can give him, that it's been quiet. Uh, he hadn't been you know, penalty riddled. He's handled it well. Those veteran guys thought he would come in and handle it well. And he came in at a really difficult spot, not just because it's the center and not just because you're playing center for a Hall of Fame quarterback, but because he replaced Max Unger. And Max Unger had been Drew Brees' center for three or four years, yep. and they had a certain chemistry going. And Eric McCoy obviously did not have that chemistry, and he did a whole lot of shotgun snaps in college instead of, you know, quarterback under center snaps. So he had a, you know, he had a learning curve, and um, – He's he's done well. He's you know they talked about you know what the Saints have been drafting lately these last three four years. They're stressing intelligence. Uh, they're stressing tough guys and that kind of stuff. Well, all the 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 attributes they're looking for, Eric McCoy has been them. They yeah. signed Nick Easton in the off season to be the center, and then the draft came along, and they didn't have a first round pick, and they get into the second round, and there's Eric McCoy sitting on the board, and they're like, whoa. Here's a guy with a first-round grade, mm -hmm. and we might not need him, but you know what? You never know. You just take the best guy, and obviously he was head and shoulders above everybody else 
in their cloud of players, and they took him, and it's worked out fantastic because you know everybody was looking at Nick Easton like, oh, he couldn't he couldn't get in, he couldn't start it, you know, he's, he's inactive these weeks. When Nick Easton came off the bench from being inactive, and I want to say it was like five straight games he was inactive, mm-hmm. and steps in immediately and starts at left guard yeah. in the NFL, which is hard to do, and they didn't really miss a beat. So you know, kudos to those guys. You know, one, Eric McCoy for being able to step in, and two, Nick Easton for being the consummate professional and staying ready because, you know, it's got to be mentally, I don't know how it weighs on you when you think you, you know, you, you want to play, you probably think you should be playing, and you look out there and you're like, yeah, you're winning, but, you know, there's something about playing and contributing to a win as opposed to being on the team. Mm. And now he's contributing to the wins rather than just being on the team. So it's got to be a really fulfilling thing for him. Yeah, that offensive line has been fantastic, along with Teron Armstead, who is the Saints uh, Walter Payton Man of the Year nominee. So make sure you go tweet uh, Walter Payton, Walter Payton Man of the Year nominee uh, Teron Armstead and cast your vote. Uh, JD, it's no cakewalk for the rest of the season. The the Saints have the Titans and the Panthers. The Titans who have been playing well for this la- uh, you know last part of the season, and then the Panthers who obviously without Ron Rivera are trying to you know prove something. But this Titans team has been playing pretty well. Titans have Ryan Tannehill at quarterback, and he's, I don't want to say resurrected because he had some decent statistical seasons in Miami, but he's been much more efficient uh, for Tennessee. And, you know, 17 touchdowns, six interceptions. Uh, he's played really well for Tennessee, six and, re- six and two record as a starter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he made, you know, Tennessee basically bench Marcus Mariota, yeah. which was hard to do because you're talking about the number two overall pick in the NFL draft in Marcus Mariota. So, He's played well. Derrick Henry at running back is a monster. He's like 6'2 and maybe like 230, 240. Now let me get your opinion on this before you go on the rest of whatever you're going to say. Uh, I was talking to someone about him earlier and that someone said Derrick Henry is the best running back in the league right now. I said, uh, mm, what about Chris, Christian McCaffrey and obviously Alvin Kamara. Well, actually Nick, Chat, Nick Chubb leads the league in rushing, the kid from mm-hmm. Cleveland. Uh, but if I had to pick, if I had to pick a guy for this season, it'd probably be Christian Christian McCaffrey because right. the rushing production, the receiving production, and the touchdowns. Uh, that's what you judge a guy on, you know, is the production and the touchdowns. And Derrick Henry is a monster. Now, if, if I wanted to give a running back the football thirty five times to win a game, Derrick Henry would be the dude mm. because he's a, a big, big guy. We think Latavius Murray is a big guy. Derrick Henry is bigger. Do you remember that picture is. that came out when uh, Alabama went to the the title game yeah. of him and Mark Ingram sitting yeah. side by side? Yeah, and, and Mark Ingram, that. Mark Ingram was just short, but he ain't no small dude. Right. And Derrick Henry swallowed. It looked like Mark was his son, and and so yeah, you put him back there, they're gonna give him the football. Yeah. Uh, they give it to him. He runs it about right around twenty times a game. He's run for thirteen hundred and thirteen hundred yards and change. Uh, he's got maybe 13 rushing touchdowns. He's been a load. And uh, Coach Payton said it this morning on the conference call, if he's in your secondary, if he's you know getting those kinds of runs, then you're going to be in trouble for the day. Do you, you know, people have been saying that the Saints are kind of hitting their stride in defense. And as we joked about in the postgame show, you want to be ascending at this point in the season, as Drew Brees and everyone has said. Um, but the defense wanted to play well after that 49ers game. They wanted to come out and prove themselves. They did so in the Colts game. Now they're going to be going against a Titans team who are ranked eighth in rushing offense. Do you think this defense is playing well enough right now to contain that? Well, they hadn't allowed a 
100-yard rusher in close to 40 games, if not 40 on the head or something like that. Now, does that mean a whole lot? No, because, you know, they didn't allow a 100-yard rusher against San Francisco, but San Francisco as a team ran for 162 yards. Now, they didn't allow a 100-yard rusher against Houston, but as a team, Houston ran for 180 yards. So what you want to do as a run defense is you want if, you know, yeah, you might give up 110, 15 yards or whatever it is, but you want the attempts to be low. And you want to make it a one-dimensional game. Uh, so the way you make it a one-dimensional game is you stop the run and you make them throw the ball. But Tennessee's going to run the ball. Uh, you know they got Derrick Henry and they're going to get the ball in the Saints. The only re- only reason or way they won't run the ball is if the Saints jump out to an early lead. Uh, so you know, and obviously that's what you want to do every week. But that's the only way you're going to take the ball out of Tennessee's hands and keep them from running it. All right, J.D., well, we'll have more insight on the Tennessee Titans on Friday's show, but um, I'll let you go so that you can have more time to go buy me my Christmas present. Um, yeah, yeah, that's the ticket. <laughs> Today's episode was brought to you by SeatGeek. If you're trying to find tickets to football games or any other live event, it can be complicated. There's hundreds of sites and shady pricing, but with SeatGeek, you can do everything in one place. Search for and discover the best deals on seats. Buy from any device and sell and transfer tickets in just a couple taps. Best of all, our listeners will get our listeners will get $20 off their first purchase when they use the SeatGeek app. Use code GOSAINTS at checkout. SeatGeek score the best deals on tickets. All right, that'll do it for today's episode. Make sure you tune back in on Friday as we'll have more insight on both the Saints and the Titans. Thanks for joining us.